It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a sports rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The Weekend, it is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports stick, sports to six. I'll say it again for those in the back. It's your daily local sports fix, four to six. Counting down to a Friday night of high school basketball. And of course, we got plenty of college basketball to talk about coming up tomorrow. And we'll talk some NBA, NFL, Jim Harbaugh. Jawan Howard, what's happening at Michigan? Are they going to be looking for two coaches or just one? We've got Kyle Rowland joining us coming up later this hour from the Toledo Blade, who covers the Michigan Wolverines. Also, in hour number two, Comet Hockey this weekend. On the road, it is the annual circus trip as the Comets have to vacate the Memorial Coliseum. The ice is removed, so that ice will have to be Re-established next week, but while the Comets are gone, Shane Alberani is here, and he'll join us around 520 this afternoon. Adam, I've been gone for a couple of days. Man, yeah. This, this week feels like it's just flown by because, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny how time flies when you're not working. Yeah, you've been on the road with the Dons as they traveled down to Highland Heights, Kentucky, and... Uh, Got the win last night. Got a road win. How about that? Ended that five-game losing streak. Man, oh man, that you know it's and the team hasn't exactly flopped. They haven't. Uh, wait, wait. One of the questions that was asked from the ESPN announcing crew that was covering the game last night, and now I can actually talk about the fact that it was a national television broadcast. Don't want to do that before we have our radio broadcast, but it was on national TV last night on the U. ESPNU, and one of the things the uh, the broadcast team was asking me was, Coach Kaufman doesn't want to refer to this as a funk. How would you describe it? And I would describe it that, well, you know, the the Horizon League as a whole, teams are having a tough time winning on the road, and the Mastodons just happen to go into a road stretch of their schedule after having a very difficult game against Wright State, where Wright State just shot lights out. And I said, you know, you got a 13-2 and team that all of a sudden loses to a Wright State at home. Maybe still a little shocked by losing on their home court. And maybe the fact that they gave up 100 and some points to the Wright State Raiders. And I said, then they go to Youngstown State. They were a little flat early. They got behind, but they played hard, got themselves back into the game after being down by 27. They made it a three-point game with two minutes left. And they had a shot to win the game at Youngstown State and fell short. And then they, maybe they thought things were going to get easier because you've got Robert Morris and IUPUI, two of the bottom three teams in the conference. And maybe they thought, well, our problems are going to be washed away because we got a couple of easy ones coming up. Because they, did, I don't think they played a real great game at Robert Morris, but they had a chance to win. 
didn't get a, a favorable wh- wh- whistles. My God, they didn't get a good whistle all night. I mean, it was just awful. And uh, and eventually they had a chance, three-point lead with just seconds to go, and a defensive breakdown led to a wide-open three-pointer that tied the game. It never should have happened. Never, never should have happened. Don should have won that game. And I hope at the end of the year we're not talking about all the what-ifs of that one particular game where the Dons let that one slip away. That should have been easily in the bag. Mark it as a win. You're up three final seconds. You've got two options, double-team, three-point shooters. Don't guard inside the arc, uh, number one or number two foul. Uh, Dons decided to take their chances because they trust their defense, and that's understandable. That's certainly not the issue. Uh, but but the issue is when you get lost on a screen and you go to double in the paint when, or at least pay attention to a double in the paint when they've got a guy stepping off a screen that's already hit like six three-pointers in the game. And so, you know, that was a tough loss and one that slipped away. But certainly losing to a right state that can really score points and shot the ball really well and then losing to a Youngstown State on the road, not bad losses. A lot of teams, believe me, a lot of teams have lost to Wright State, not only this year, but over the years. They've been one of the best in the Horizon League. And Youngstown State, they're very good at home. Beagley Center is one of the nicest on-campus facilities. Now it's old, but it brings good crowd and a lot of energy. And uh, and so those two losses they could happen. They could happen to anybody. Purdue's got a couple of conference losses. You go on the road, it's tough to win. But uh, but but then that Robert Morris game slipping away, I think, really impacted IUPUI. And uh, again, all they did was, was kind of show up against IUPUI. There's no excuses for IUPUI. Just did not play well, didn't have the focus and the intensity on the defensive end. IUPUI pretty much did what they wanted, and it just was that was one of that that was really out of the entire streak. That's the one game that I think the Dons just didn't show up. That you could blame them. They, you know, the others I thought they competed, they played hard. Uh, and then after IUPUI, you go to Cleveland State, who hasn't lost a home game all year. In fact, they haven't lost a home game for over a year. They had 18 straight that they'd won at home, and so. You know, that's certainly not an easy one. And the Dons had a 15-point lead. The Cleveland State got the crowd into it, hit a couple of amazing three-pointers that were like 30-some feet away from the hoop, and uh, they were able to pull it out. But what you hope is in some of those defeats, and you never want to take a loss to get a learning lesson, but you hope in some of those defeats you learn something. And I think the Mastodons did because the game last night was very much like the Cleveland State game. Now, against Cleveland State, the Mastodons built the lead to 15. Last night, they built it to 10. But what happened? Northern Kentucky got a big run in that second half, got the crowd going. They actually passed the Dons and took the lead after being down by 10 in the second half. Now, the Mastodons couldn't overcome that against Cleveland State. Couldn't get back over the hump once the hump got on the other side. This time last night, they maintained their composure, maintained their fight, their defensive intensity, and eventually they pulled out a very hard-earned. I mean, this was a gritty, it was a toughness check last night. And the Dons got the win over Northern Kentucky, 63-258. And so the Mastodons even up their Horizon League record of 5-5. Five and five, And 
Uh, they, they Last night, they get 17 from Jalen Jackson, who hit an insane shot. Did you happen to check Twitter? Did you see the shot he made? I sure did. Very impressive. I feel bad because it was at the one part of the court down there in the corner where I have to look through everybody on the bench. From my position, the bench is actually slightly in front of me because we've got the big scores table. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting back a little behind the guy sitting on the bench. So when Jackson was dancing around in the corner with a step back, I couldn't see exactly where he was positioned on the court. All I could see was uh, he took the shot with less than one second on the shot clock. And a high rainbow arching step back three ends up dropping. And unfortunately, I called it a two at the time, and I feel bad about that because I kind of ripped, you know, took one away from Jalen where uh, it should have been a three-pointer. But uh, but he had a huge shot last night. Had had probably one of the best passes you're going to see in a college basketball game, too. Three-quarter court, lobbed it over everybody running down the court, and he hit his man perfectly. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they would be proud of that throw. <laughs> they're going to try to they're going to try to throw a couple of those probably uh, come Sunday but but Jackson uh two-handed chest pass over the top of the defense and hit a streaking CJ Hadnot heading to the bucket he made the catch one step down up for the layup it was just absolutely perfect and I posted it on my my uh, X account my Twitter <laughs> it's still weird it's yeah, still weird I know it's going to be a year or better before anybody calls that X. And I will say this, I'm still tweeting. Oh, yeah. Even if I'm tweeting on X, I'm still tweeting. <laughs> You're not posting. I just feel, no, I'm not posting. No. I uh, I feel better about a tweet. Oh, yeah, than a post. A post. What are you, the postman? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. All right, so last night, Dons get the win. And let me tell you something, too. Uh-huh. Last night's win shouldn't be underrated, even though the Dons beat Northern Kentucky by 13 back in late December. This was a Northern Kentucky team that has won the conference twice in a row. They represented the conference in the NCAA tournament last year after winning the tournament down in Indianapolis. They had only lost one game at home this season, and that game was a one-point loss to the team that is and 7-0 right now and leading the MAC, and that's the Akron Zips who beat them by one, and that was their only home loss this season. So uh, it was a huge win last night for the Mastodons, and hopefully this starts a streak because five losses – you know, that's, that doesn't put you out of the, the race to win the Horizon League. This is a league right now. Now, think about this. This is a league right now that has eight teams out of 11 that have five losses or less, and the team at the top has three losses. So in the loss column, you've got eight out of 11 teams within two games of first about halfway through the schedule. They've all played roughly 10 games. I mean, it is crazy. Um, and, and this NKU team, not only are they really good at home, but they just played two home games this past weekend. This was the third straight they had at home. And those other two, they beat Milwaukee by 18 and beat the league leader, Green Bay, by 22. Ooh, yeah, no slouch down in northern Kentucky. No, so let's appreciate just what an accomplishment this was. And it also is where the Dons have gone to pick up an L. 
uh, it's mandatory travel that they had to go down to Highland Heights and pick up a loss almost every year. <laughs> that is just one tough place to play, tough place to win. Don's haven't had luck against Northern Kentucky down in Highland Heights. They've got a great arena. And you, Tru- go ahead. Truist Arena holds like 11,000. It's got all really nice seats. It's got an upper balcony level. Now, they didn't have the balcony level open, but even the lower level with the uh, luxury boxes, it is it is an insane arena for an on-campus arena. And uh, and they bring good crowds in. Now, they have like 17 promotions every night. I mean, a whole <laughs> list of, you know. It does look like they were giving away a trucker hat last night. Yeah, they so. gave away a trucker hat. They, they you know, they... They recognize certain communities, cities, counties. They, I mean, they've got all kinds of promotions they run. And then they've got promotions they run for every home game, uh, like, you know, some kind of a promotion all year long. But, but so, so they always draw pretty well at home. And, uh, yeah, and the Don's got a big one last night, and they did it on national TV. So great win. Great win. And like you said, it's only their second loss at home for Northern Kentucky. So definitely a t- tough place to go down and get a win. It's tough anywhere. In the Horizon League to get a road win. Certainly. Uh, by the way, uh, so the bus gets co- comes home, and, uh, man, I'll tell you what, the fog was so darn thick last night. Oh, yeah. So it's it been took like a little that. longer than what we expected. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's been foggy here. It was foggy down there. I So i got to tell you my story about my hotel room, because this, is, <laughs> this can only happen to me. Uh-huh. You know, I like a warm room, right, Adam? We've talked about before. Oh, yeah. That a lot of people don't want to room with me because I prefer 75, 76. And if you go to sleep and you like 68 and you've set the thermostat, as soon as I know you're snoozing, I'm going to get up and I'm going to change the thermostat. (laughs) I'm going to put it at 75, 76. I like it warm. Well, I got to the hotel, got to my room, and I thought it was a little cool when I first got there. But I had to head right straight down to dinner. So I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the room, didn't worry about the thermostat. I just I, I left my bags, went down to dinner on Wednesday night because we had gotten there pretty late. Uh, went down, had dinner, and then we pre-record the interview with Kaufman for the pregame show. And he wanted to do it after dinner. So, you know, 10 o'clock at night or whatever, I, I, I hook up with Kaufman and I get the pregame recorded. So I finally get to my room, and it's like 10, 1030 at night. And I walk in, I thought, it is cool in here. Now, remember, it's it's quite a bit warmer down there than it was here. But I go into the room. It's cool. Check the temperature. It is 65 degrees. But the thermostat was turned off. I had to turn it on. And I thought, I can't believe they turned this thermostat completely <laughs> off. Now, sometimes they'll lower the temperature to like 68 or something. But no, it was completely turned off. I turn it on, 65 degrees, then I go to set the temperature. And I set the temperature at 75. But I get some heat going. So I I get on the bed, I'm watching basketball at, uh, you know, 11 o'clock or so, and I doze off watching watching TV. I wake up like 1.30, and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm freezing, I'm cold. I go and check the temperature, 65. I'm like, wait a minute, this thing must not be working. Well, it's cold, okay? It's not not comfortable in the room. And I put my hand up by the the blower, and it's cold air. (laughs) So I end up 
waking up like five times during the course of about a six and a half hour sleep and uh, just did not sleep very well because I was cold. I had like three layers of clothes trying to keep myself warm. So in the morning, first thing I do, I call the front desk, said, hey, something's wrong with my heat. I said, all I'm getting is cold air blowing out. So the maintenance guy comes up. He opens up the little panel, gets inside the, I'll call it the furnace, I guess, that <laughs> Uh, the heating mechanism, sure. and he said, someone's turned off the hot water. That's why you're getting no heat. I said, ah, oh, problem solved. There so he go. turns on the hot water, okay? Everything's fine. I go down to breakfast. I come back after having breakfast, and uh, 45 minutes or so later, the room is 83 degrees, and it's hot air still blowing out of the <laughs> – and I'm like, somebody shut it off. <laughs> so now I've got a sauna. I went from a refrigerator to a sauna during the course of breakfast. Yeah. So call back down. Maintenance man had to come back up. <laughs> uh, man, so the maintenance man gets up there. But he, he came up uh, after we left for practice. So I went to practice. And I assumed they were going to fix it, take care of it. I get back from practice, 65 degrees. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not getting fixed. And so uh, they had to move me to a new room. Well, they gave me they gave me an upgrade. Nice. Yeah. And so I got on the north side of this hotel, which is on the south side of the Ohio River, which meant my room overlooked the river right into downtown Cincinnati. Right across the river was Paycor Stadium. Uh, you had uh, Great American Ballpark just over across the river to the right. Great view. Problem is, we had so much fog, I couldn't see much of anything. Uh, you know, but did the temperature work in the new room? The temperature worked in the new room. All right. Well, that's that's your bonus there. Yeah. That, Just uh, no view. No view. No view. That's no. all right. We haven't had views here in the too, last few days either. Too much fog. Too much fog. My wife said, how are you keeping your sanity? Because doesn't it cause like, because she's got sunshine every day down sure. before. And I said, yeah. I said, now I noticed it in Adam first, but it's starting to, <laughs> starting to affect me too. Uh, you don't need any fog for me. <laughs> <laughs> 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Let's check in with today's top headlines. It's Adam Lundy. All right. Thanks, Brett. To accommodate its expanding membership, the Big Ten will invite only 15 of its 18 members to the Big Ten men's and women's basketball tournaments starting in 2025. Under the new format, the league will add uh, a game to the Wednesday slate with the 10th place finisher playing the 15th place finisher. The winner of that game faces the number seven seed on Thursday with the tournament otherwise proceeding in its normal fashion and the top four seeds earning a double bye until Friday. Baltimore Ravens tight end Mark Andrews was activated off injured reserve today, providing a major boost to the AFC's number one seed heading into Sunday's AFC championship game. Andrews has been sidelined since injuring his left ankle on November 16th. He had been practicing for two weeks and has been a full participant all week. On the other side, the Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco, who is dealing with a toe ankle injury, is still listed as questionable for the AFC championship game Sunday. Offensive tackle Joe Thune uh, with a pectoral injury was ruled out. And last night on TNT, the NBA All-Star starters for this year were announced last night. In the Eastern Conference, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton of the Indiana Pacers, Yay. and Damian Lillard rounds out the Eastern now, starters. Now, you know why that's so cool that Halliburton's named a starter? Because the game is in Indianapolis, so he gets to start his first 
all-star start in his actual hometown or or team he plays, whatever. <laughs> whatever. On the Western side of things, your all-star starters are LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. And those are your top stories today, Brett. All right, we got to keep this show moving. We've got a big night tonight. Great high school basketball matchup. I'll be heading there when I sign off at 6 o'clock. It is just down the road. We'll talk about Lures hosting Wayne. Also, Bill Belichick on the sideline. Well, not literally. He's actually off the sideline. But what a, what kind of a surprise is this? And is this a sign that his career is over? Kyle Rowland will talk about careers jim harbaugh off to uh the los angeles chargers and Jawan howard is he going to survive this season we'll get kyle Rowland's take coming up in a few it's the sports rush on a friday on 1380 the fan and 100.9 fm 46862 the parkview sports medicine text line your questions comments or suggestions 46862 let us know what's on your sports brain as we head into a sports weekend big thanks to uh to the folks who filled in over the last couple of days, what do we have? Derek Decker on Wednesday and Shannon Griffith on Thursday. You got it. Uh, big thanks to those guys for covering so that I could make my escape down to Highland Heights, Kentucky <laughs> and enjoy some warmer weather. What was the temperature here? Because it was in the mid to upper 50s down in Cincinnati area. Uh, it's been hanging around the uh, 30s, a little bit into the 40s during the day. But, uh, yeah, right in the 30s. Because I know leaving... The arena last night, it was mid-50s, kind of light rain. Uh-huh. Um, and when we got to Fort Wayne, it was significantly raining. Yeah, definitely got some rain And like last upper night. 30s. So we had dropped like yeah. 17 degrees, and then it was a cold rain. See, it was kind of a warm rain down in Cincinnati. <laughs> it was a totally different climate. 46862. It's amazing. You go three hours, and you can like almost totally change your climate. Uh, you know, one of the most impressive things last night about that Mastodon's win is how well they did on the glass. They were even in rebounding against a much taller Northern Kentucky team. Uh, they start 6'8", 6'9", 6'6", and the Mastodons are 6'8", 6'4", and 6'2". And so a much taller team that had out-rebounded the Dons, I think, what, 15, 16 rebounds, had 17 offensive rebounds in the first meeting. Last night, they only had 10 offensive rebounds. And Jalen Jackson had nine rebounds, 17 points, just a rebound shy of a double-double. And Anthony Roberts finished with 10 points and eight rebounds. So uh, nice win. for. But it was a, it was... One of those games, like I said, it was physical, so it wasn't an artistic masterpiece. Both teams high in turnovers. Both teams ended up with 20 turnovers apiece. <laughs> 20? Ah! Um, you know, the Mastodons, actually one of the best teams in the country and fewest turnovers, but they do force a lot of turnovers out of their opponents. Well, last night, the Mastodons had trouble handling that length of northern Kentucky and uh, it ended up being a, a game where both teams played very hard defensively. It forced a lot of mistakes out of the other team's offense and turnovers piled up. Shooting wasn't all that great. But again, I, I thought it was because it was a game where both teams were locked in defensively and playing very hard, very physical. And the officials, on the most part, let them play. Uh, four six eight six two. So tonight, we've got a big one right here in the Summit Athletic Conference. The two remaining unbeatens. 
will make it one unbeaten and another will be unbeaten no more because the Wayne Generals are visiting the Bishop Lures Knights. This could decide the SAC boys race. Still some games to be played in February, but uh, Wayne comes in 5-0 and in the conference. They're 12-3 and overall, and Bishop Lures is 13-1 and and ranked number two in this week's 2A statewide poll. They're 4-0 in the conference. So uh, something's got to give tonight as you'll have some of the best players in the Summit Athletic Conference on the floor. Javon Lewis for Wayne, averaging over 20 points per game. And then you've got the Truesdale twins, uh, Darian and Draylon. And Darian has uh, at 6-4, the junior averages 18.2 per game, while Draylon uh, also, he's 6'4 junior because they're twins. <laughs> he averages 14.6 points per game. And uh, so it, it it's going to be uh, a real classic. We've got the broadcast tonight, approximately 7.40 p.m. And then after the game, be sure to join us as we jump uh, about a block away to the Southgate Pizza Hut. We'll be out there until 10.30 tonight with scores, highlights, maybe some coaches. Of course, next week we've got... Girls basketball sectionals, so we'll set up all the matchups. Some of the sectionals we're looking forward to next week. We'll tell you what our broadcast plans are for next week. But uh, a lot happening uh, coming up tonight as Wayne visits Bishop Lures. And you'll be out at the Pizza Hut tonight. Better believe it. We'll have a little bit of swag to give away, oh, that's, too. That's right. Don't forget the swag. Oh, yes. Our friends at Old Fort Baseball Company, uh, they not only did a custom creative shirt for us promoting hoops in the 260 and uh, you should check this shirt out in fact you should probably have one among your collection at home and you can do that because we'll have them to give away if you just stop by southgate at pizza hut between 9 15 and 10 30 tonight while supplies last while supplies last uh, another thing that's available while supplies last, I don't know if you happen to catch the social media accounts for Old Fort Baseball Company oh, today. Oh, yeah. They do a lot of uh, designs for Bishop Lures, and they have come out with a hot-off-the-press, brand-new design, custom shirt that they're going to make available tonight at the game. It's doubleheader, girls basketball followed by boys basketball. But uh, Logan will be out there selling those shirts to Lures faithful right before the game. So really cool stuff. Uh, 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. So Bill Belichick apparently is getting passed over by everybody that has a coach's opening. I'm not uh, that, that surprised. You heard me talk about Bill Belichick and the fact that, yeah. you know, his career outside of the Tom Brady years is not necessarily eye-popping. Uh, and he has struggled a bit in New England since Tom Brady left. Yes, if you look at the overall record championships, hey, he's a very decorated coach. But if he's going to come in and take over a team that needs to be turned around, I don't know. Because New England didn't turn around fully until Tom Brady took the field. Remember, New England was hovering as a as a kind of an average football team until Tom Brady took over. And then all of a sudden, they became a dynasty for almost two decades. Uh, and so I think around the NFL, there are more people that feel like me than probably feel like 
you, and I'm talking you, the people that believe Bill Belichick's one of the best coaches and greatest coaches ever, or that side on Greg Rakestraw's side, because uh, we had we had Rake on and he he talked about how Bill Belichick's one of the greatest of all time. And I'm like, if you just go by resume, yes, but it's also like talking about batting averages. Okay, if if Adam, you and I are going to compare career batting averages, and the only baseball you played was wildcat baseball, <laughs> where the coaches were pitching, I'd say that's not fair. Right. And I feel the same way about Bill Belichick's coaching record. I'm like, okay, he had the greatest quarterback of all time. And that's hard to say as a Colts fan. But I do think that Tom Brady proved something by going to another organization, winning with Tampa Bay. And I think it also hurt Bill Belichick because now it was like, okay, Bill, Tom can do it without you. What are you going to do without Tom? And you know what happened? Next couple of years, New New England just plummeted, and their quarterback couldn't get it right. Is that what somebody wants to hire? I wouldn't. I mean, I, and he's and he's just he's getting up there in age, and we're seeing a trend in NFL now. Coaching hires getting younger and younger. Well, and as well. I, I'm not even going to talk age. Okay, throw age out the window. Yeah, because I, I think it would suck if the only reason you hire him is because you think he's too old. <laughs> Because, quite honestly, if a coach is there three, four years and he can turn your your uh, your team around and, and compete for a championship, it's worth the three or four years you get. So I, I don't even think – here's what it is, though, is that teams want to hire the hot commodity, the guy who's having success right now, whether it's uh, an offense that's performing at the top of the NFL right now. If it's a coach that just won a national championship with uh, college football right now. I mean, and of course, Jim Harbaugh has a great history, too. But my point is, they're always trying to get that that up-and-comer where they can be the first one to give them that opportunity so they've got them and the other team doesn't. And with Bill Belichick, I think right now it's kind of recycled goods. They just don't seem like anybody's super excited. Atlanta talked to him twice. And the other thing is, what's the relationship going to be as far as personnel and how much control he wants over personnel? And what's he, who's he got for a staff? Because the one thing they had in New England was they had a revolving door as far as coordinators, people that were uh, offense coordinators, defense coordinators. Sometimes you didn't even know who was doing what. And so, uh, you know, I, I just, in my mind, it's like, yeah, he's probably done. I, if nobody jumped at him this year, I don't know that somebody is going to all of a sudden decide next season or the season after. You know who our guy is? Bill Belichick. Now, just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, now, I could be about as right on this as I was about Jim Harbaugh not leaving Michigan. You know, that happened like when I was gone. Oh, yeah. It was killing me. (laughs) I thought it was going to happen during the show on Wednesday. I think I texted you Wednesday and said, Harbaugh is going to end up getting this deal. Right. And I'm not on today or tomorrow, meaning Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about Harbaugh later. Yeah, because we got to get to Kyle. Segment, yeah, yeah, we got to get to Kyle Rowland, and uh, yeah, we'll talk Jim Harbaugh. What uh, what's next at Michigan? Who, uh, how do they follow up Jim Harbaugh and what he's just done? That's a pretty high bar that you've got to uh, 
got to meet at Michigan. Also, Jawan Howard, this is a wild season in Michigan basketball. And what is the future with Jawan Howard as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines? We've got Kyle Rowland joining us next on a Sports Rush Friday on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, and you're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. What time do they play on Sunday, by the way? Do they have the early game or the late game? It's a very late game. <laughs> it's a very late game. Stay up for it. You might see Colts in 60, one of those uh, trimmed-up versions. All right, so, uh, yeah, coming up uh, on Sunday, a couple of good ones as uh, you've got the AFC and the NFC championship games. Of course, we've got your broadcast. Starts with Chiefs-Ravens. They are game one. Game two, Lions-49ers. Can't sit by the television. We've got you covered with Westwood One's coverage of the conference championships this Sunday on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Right now, we want to talk some things happening up in Michigan. Now, I know a lot of people probably surprised by the fact that Michigan and Michigan State are actually the two closest universities to Fort Wayne. I mean, you can get up to Michigan in just barely over a couple of hours. Now that they've got 24, you could shoot up there to 23 and fly into Ann Arbor. Uh, and then it's a pretty quick route up to Michigan State and, and uh, East Lansing. A little quicker, I think, for both of those than Purdue is right about where Michigan's at. Indiana certainly is farther away. So it's well worth our time to talk Michigan football and basketball with uh, Kyle Rowland, who joins us from the Toledo Blade. Formerly a Fort Wayne resident, worked here for Fort Wayne newspapers at one time. Kyle, good Friday afternoon. Yeah, those trips to Ann Arbor and East Lansing definitely uh, were easy from Fort Wayne. No doubt about that. Yeah, and it uh, made easier over the years to Ann Arbor when you uh, got four lanes on Highway 24. I mean, that that's an easy shot now. I mean, it, it gets us from Fort Wayne to places like Cleveland, Cedar Point, Toledo, Detroit, and Ann Arbor much faster than it used to be. So uh, it's it's convenient. But also, we've got a lot of Michigan fans here. I'm sure you probably know that, you know, in this town, Indiana and Purdue kind of dominate, but... There's plenty of Go Blue and Michigan fans. I see them on social media all the time. And, of course, the big news, Jim Harbaugh, uh, jumping ship, heading out west to uh, Los Angeles. He's going to take over with the Chargers. I, I'm i not surprised by this in one sense, but in the other, maybe I am a little bit. Uh, I, I guess a lot of people want to make, make out why is he doing it. Is he avoiding NCAA penalties? Is he doing it for the money? Is he doing it because he doesn't like uh, the administration at Michigan? What's your take on the whole situation of him jumping from Michigan to the NFL? Great question. Um, so, uh, largely, I actually think it was a little anticlimactic. I, it just it just felt like it was going to happen. I mean, you, you've had the last two years, the, the dance that he's had in, in February and January and now that they won the title and the noise was just so loud now with the Chargers, it just felt almost certain that it was going to happen. I, I think it would have been more surprising had he come back. Um, I, I don't think he's trying to run away from the NCAA because he was going to leave two years ago, and he almost left last year. And, like, those things weren't really 
relevant at that time. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is an NFL guy. I mean, he, he wants to win a Super Bowl, and Michigan can't offer him a Super Bowl. I mean, he turned down just a boatload of money. He's the king of Ann Arbor now. Um, so, I mean, I really think it came down to it's the NFL. And he accomplished all he could at Michigan. He won a national title. They're the premier program in the Big Ten now. They've lapped Ohio State. Um, and here he is. I mean, it's, it's unfinished business, I guess you could say. What do you think he's making? Have you heard any kind of confirmed number? I mean, I've heard everything from somewhere between twelve and a half to eighteen million a year to coach in the NFL. Yeah, I I don't know a, a confirmed number, but I mean, it definitely sounds north of twelve, thirteen million, um, which would be more than what he would have made at Michigan. Not that, and I, I don't think he did it for the money. I mean, I he probably would have left for a million dollars less than he was going to make in Michigan because um, of the whole NFL Super Bowl factor. Um, but I really think it's a great situation. I mean, he's got Justin Herbert. They have a great left tackle. Um, I mean, they, he's kind of a California guy. I think the location plays into it maybe a little bit, not a ton, because, I mean, the NFL, there's only 32 of these jobs, and they're all technically good jobs, I would say. Um, but, He's he's going to have to retool parts of the roster. I mean, they need to shore up both lines, and that's kind of the hallmark of Jim Harbaugh, whether it's the 49ers, what he did at Michigan. I mean, he wins with brute force, um, and I still think he's going to do that uh, even now. I know that it's more of a passing league and all that kind of stuff, but the way he won in San Francisco I still think is the way you can win in today's NFL, especially if you have Herbert. Do you think that when Jim Harbaugh took the job at Michigan, it was, in his mind, a temporary step to go fix it and then leave it? Yeah, I mean, I do. I really do. Um, I, I don't – first of all, I don't think any job is cut out to have Jim Harbaugh for long term. I mean, nine years is, was a while, quite frankly. I mean, he's just an abrasive guy – he eventually wears out his welcome. Um, and I think he's a little bit of a dabbler, I guess you could say. Um, he's got kind of goals that he wants to set and, and accomplish. And, you know, when he does it, he's off to, to something else. Um, so I don't think, you know, Harbaugh coaching 15 or 20 years at Michigan and being like the next Bo Schimbeckler, that probably was never going to happen. Um, but it certainly got sped up now. And, and, and I don't think he left for, for some of those reasons you asked the first question, but I also don't think it necessarily made him eager to stay. I mean, the NCAA thing is obviously a mess. Um, I mean, been plenty of reported, you know, angst between he and Ward Manuel, the athletic director of Michigan, um, I think this season was probably just incredibly uh, I, difficult, you know, tiresome, stressful. I know, I know a lot of it was largely Michigan's own making or Connor Stallion's making or whatever, but it still doesn't mean that, that it doesn't wear on people. Um, so I, I think kind of all of that did contribute. Where does he go down in history, as far as among Michigan fans, are they going to, I mean, I guess 
he's not Bo Schembechler, but how close is he? And uh, the fact that he's leaving after finally getting that national championship, does that leave a sour taste? What's his legacy going to be with Michigan fans? Yeah, I think this is an interesting debate. I mean, definitely beloved, first of all. I mean, he, him leaving, I mean, zero hard feelings. It's it's kind of like LeBron leaving the Cavs the second time. Like, I mean, the first time was was really bad and rough, but then he comes, wins the title, everyone's fine with it. I mean, I, I would kind of put it put on that level, but you got to keep in mind, I mean, he's a beloved former player as well. Um, he's just like a Michigan man to the core. People adore his parents as well. Um, I mean, he, he won the title, something Bo Schimbeckler never did. Um, so... He probably isn't as beloved as Bo, but maybe he should be um, for all the reasons. I mean, he's just going to be, you know, linked with Michigan football forever. I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore, uh, and I'm sure he'll uh, continue to be around the program um, throughout the rest of time. Kyle Roland from the Toledo Blade joining us here on the Sports Rush. So what's next for the Wolverines? Uh, how long do they search? Is it going to be in-house? Or are they looking for an outside candidate? What do you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be Sharon Moore. I mean, I, in October, November, there are a lot of rumblings that, you know, Kalen DeBoer kind of was the, the guy that they really kind of were focusing on if, if something happened. Um, obviously, that changed a because he took the Alabama job, but it even changed prior to that. Like when Sharon Moore took over and Michigan continued to win and he handled things the way and the team rallied around him, all that kind of stuff that, that kind of put it over the top that, that he was going to be the guy. Um, Michigan has this seven day rule state law where a job has to be posted. It seems like that's the hang up, um, even though it's a little bit of like a technicality. Uh, but I expect Sharon Moore to be named head coach next week. I would assume they'll have a press conference sometime next week. Um, and it's not really a decision I agree with. Um, maybe he should get the job, but I just think it doesn't hurt to go through the process. Um, same thing with Ohio State when they just named Ryan Day the coach when Urban Meyer retired. I mean, these are the best jobs in the country and why would you not want, you know, three, four guys to to see who wants the job, number one, and to just talk to them and hear ideas and, you know, what their thoughts are on the program and what they can do to elevate it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then at the end of the day, if Sharon Moore is still the guy you want, then that's fine. Um, and, and I don't totally agree with the continuity thing either. I mean, it seems like Jesse Menner, the defensive coordinator, is going to go to L.A. with Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. So you're losing him. And, I mean, who knows about Ben Herbert, the strength coach, who's kind of really changed everything in Michigan. Um, but, like, with Ryan Day, like, everything stayed in place at Ohio State. They were recruiting at this just unbelievable level. I mean, Michigan isn't recruiting it at an unbelievable level. That's the thing that's so crazy about them winning the title, because they're this massive outlier. So, like, I don't really understand what you're saving and what you're keeping in place by keeping Sharon Moore. Well, Kyle, let's be honest. The transfer portal is out there, and I think uh, it puts tremendous pressure on these universities to make a quick hire. You can't drag this process out for weeks because kids are going to start bailing on the program. And right now, Michigan has a lot of the best talent right there in Ann Arbor. 
they've got to make a quick decision regardless of which way they go. No, I mean, I agree. And I know that does change the calculus and it's a, it's a real thing. But I, I still just think if you hire the right guy, your program will be fine. I mean, Washington was a disaster when Caleb DeBoer took over. And two years later, they're in the title game. So if he can do that at Washington, then Michigan, if they hire the right guy, they're going to be just fine. <laughs> um, but, but I totally understand. I mean, the, the transfer portal, no doubt, has taken administrations hostage kind of uh, when coaches change. And I assume Michigan's probably also looking at Alabama. I mean, look what has happened to them the last two weeks. And Michigan's rival, Ohio State, has, has obviously been a big benefactor of that, getting two of Alabama's best players. Yeah, the, uh, could you imagine how that had gone over in Washington if Kalen DeBoer would have been the next Michigan coach? They can't beat him, join him, and he tells Washington, hey, I loved it here, but I'm going to the other side. Could you imagine how that would have gone over out in Seattle? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been fascinating, especially because Michigan plays at Washington. So that would have have been quite the homecoming. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk basketball real quick and just find out, is Jawan Howard still all in with Michigan basketball? And is Michigan still all in on Jawan Howard? What's that relationship like? Yeah, I mean, great question. I mean, it's a disaster. I mean, I I think he has to be on the hot seat. I I just don't see how he can't be. I mean, the, the, the success in recent years has waned since, he took them to the Elite Eight early in his career. I mean, th- this year's just an abject failure, in my opinion. I know he's had the health concerns, whatever, but, like, the culture of the program is broken, in my opinion. I mean, they've lost, what, what is it, seven of eight games, six of seven games, or two and six in the Big Ten. Seems like there's no hope to make the NCAA tournament or even the NIT, quite frankly. I mean, defense, not good. Offense, not nearly good enough. Um, it's just, it's really bad. Um, and it's surprising. I mean, it seemed like things were kind of headed in a, in a positive direction. I know they went to the NIT last year, but he's recruited at this high level and everyone's been so excited about him coming back. And it just, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to end with the uh, storybook ending that, uh, football and Jim Harbaugh had. Always great stuff when we have a chance to talk to you, Kyle. Have yourself a great weekend. Can't wait to talk to you again sometime soon. All right. Sounds great, Brad. Thank you. Kyle Rowland for the Toledo Blade. Be sure you follow him. K-Y-L-E-R-O-W-L-A-N-D. Kyle Rowland with the Toledo Blade. Covers the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. So if you want to keep up. He's kind of the Dylan Sid of the Toledo Blade, right? Where Dylan kind of splits <laughs> yeah. his time between Indiana, Purdue, and Michigan and uh, Notre Dame. It, it, Kyle kind of does that as well. Kind of follows the stories, right? Well, Toledo is right there in the middle, in between, so it's right. a great spot for covering both universities, right? You've got a split fan base right there in Toledo. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. Our number two. We've got Shane Alberani joining us. Adam and I will make some picks from the conference championship games that come up this weekend. And I'll also tell you what some of the hot games are coming up on the weekend planner before we wrap it up at 6 o'clock. It is a Friday, 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 Friday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.